0: Hello, Chicago White Sox fans. I know that uh, you're all very excited these days because the Chicago White Sox, after a long uh, period away, are finally going back to the playoffs this year. Well, have we got a special treat for you this week on the Minutia Men Celebrity interview? We're going to dip back into our archives and pull out this great interview with the man who played shoeless Joe Jackson in the movie Eight Men Out. If, if you've seen the film, uh, you know that this is a uh, an iconic moment in White Sox history, and we get into the weeds of that film and lots of really cool stuff with D.B. Sweeney, the actor. Great stuff. I highly anticipate that you will enjoy it. Minitium Celebrity Interview is up next. Uh, but first, listen to this other fine OPI pie show. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and my co-host, Luke Costable, each week for the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, the podcast where two regular car guys talk about, what else? Cars. We'll tell you about what we've seen on the roads, what's happening in the industry, and share some great stories about our experiences in the automotive world over the past several decades. We guarantee it'll be fun and Informative and entertaining. It's the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast An Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network This is the Minutia Man Celebrity Interview. Interview With Rick and Dave Okay Dave, our guest this week is an actor uh, He's been around for many years uh, As long as we've been around he's, he's got over 100 acting credits to his name Going back to the 80s He's been in some of our favorite movies and TV shows Please welcome to the show D.B. Sweeney Thanks for being on the show Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Do do your friends call you DB? They do, unless they're mad at me. Okay. (laughs) Do you live in Chicago? I do. I live in the suburbs. Well, how about that? I had no idea.
1: Where are you from? In Hinsdale.
0: Okay. Well, well, hey, you're one of us. Um, Yeah, I love it here
1: what's your address and social security number (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: we're going to get into your latest project which is a a very hilarious too dumb mix Uh, but uh, first if you'll forgive us Dave here is a White Sox fan and I think you can guess which one of your movies he has seen a thousand times
1: yeah uh, 8 Men men Out is one of my favorite movies i mean i just absolutely uh that and field of dreams we had dwyer brown on a couple of months ago played john kinsella but i just i, I think for my money eight men out is the, my favorite baseball movie i think you're great in it and it and, and i love the chicago connection obviously with the white Sox, and you guys had you know the cast had john cusack and john mahoney and stud Sterkel uh Tell us about that movie. Or tell me about that movie, and please tell me how much you love the White Sox too. Can you do that? I'm a huge White Sox fan. Uh, you know, from the minute I got that role, I uh, I came and I, I went to Comiskey. It was like in 1987, I think, and uh, uh, met the you know the White Sox people, and they were just great to me. And and after the movie came out, I went back to a game. And uh, I hadn't been to a game because when I first came, they were on the road in 87 when I met the, some of the, uh, the staff, the brass, you know, Kenny Williams and a couple other guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then when, the, uh, when I came to see a game, I go down to my seat, and I, I just – it wasn't like I went through the team. I just bought some tickets because I just wanted to kind of experience it as a fan and just, you know, kind of walk in. So I go down to my seat with my buddy, and the beer vendor comes, like in the second inning, and he comes and you know we you know i'm not averse to a beer on a hot day but we hadn't ordered any and the guy goes uh he starts taking two beers out of his tray and hand them to us and i said uh i said oh thanks how much i owe you and he goes no these are from the guy over there he points to a guy like eight rows back and he said he said uh sheila's show doesn't pay at komischke <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway we thought it was the greatest thing ever not you know that you know we could afford our beer obviously but it was just the idea of it so by the sixth inning we had about 12 beers backed up <laughs> under our seats <laughs> and and the thing was it was just great and no it wasn't like people were coming over like you know can we take a picture we want to hang out with you and bother you or what not that anybody bothers you when they come over it's just it was not like that it was it was just such a cool thing it was like they thought it was so neat that, that the movie had been made and that one of the guys from the movie was there and so that, that's just a great memory i'll always have
0: so uh, do you think shula's joe should be in the hall of fame
1: I mean, absolutely. If if Ty Cobb's in there, if uh, you know, there's so many people that are bad people are in the Hall of Fame. And Shoe Show really kind of has a bad rap. That whole, in that whole era of gambling, baseball wanted to have scapegoats of that were gambling. But the reality was, in, in my research, what I found out, it 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 it's pretty much backed up by Elliot and who wrote the book Eight Out as well, is that the players all bet on games when they'd have a four-game series. Like if 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 the White Sox went into Boston and there was a four-game series and the Red Sox won the first two games, the third game would be in play. The Red Sox would would arrange with the White Sox who was going to win or lose that third game. And then if the the White Sox – oh, yeah, it was widespread. I mean, every team was betting all the time. And it's not in the movie but because you can't do too many seasons in a movie. But the reality is after the 1919 World Series, in the 1920 season, the White Sox were getting ready to, to throw the World Series again. Shoeless Joe Jackson was hitting 390, and he was having the best season probably of maybe of any hitter, you know, uh, uh, you know, for before World War II. And that's when the hammer came down the next season, 1920. So the events of the movie condensed all this action, but the reality was Ty Cobb. Everybody that was playing baseball was dumping games. You know, they it was just the way they did it, and and the fans knew it. So when it, whenever one team won two games in a row, the fans kind of knew. Oh, okay, third game's in play.
0: Wow. I had no idea. I mean, there's a book about the 1918 World Series the year before uh, between the Cubs and the Red Sox. And that book kind of speculates that that series was thrown by the Cubs. I
1: think that's 1917 World Series because the 1918
0: didn't have one. No, it wasn't in 1918 because they did it early. They did it like the season ended in September uh, and they did it. because the white sox were in the 17 World Series this is like the only area of knowledge yeah. i have so yeah I did not know this about the uh the, the widespread betting during the seasons I had no idea
1: yeah the players felt like you know the the whole point was to win the series so if you won the series of games you, you could lose one of the games within that series and nobody was nobody's really hurt by it
0: Oh, that's very cool. Uh, well, no, and there,
1: there, there was nine games. The World Series then was, what, nine games? Is that what, Yeah, it was nine games, wasn't it? it? was, yeah. And the year, uh, 1919 is the only year the World Series was nine games. And I thought, in my mind, I thought that was because the, the, they felt that the demand was pent up because there hadn't been a series the year before. But maybe I have
0: that part wrong. I think it was just because the, uh, the series was early the year before and then there was the whole obviously the pandemic and all that that was going on too so and we know what that's (laughs) like now
1: (laughs) everything's old is new again
0: right yeah now uh, during this uh coronavirus imprisonment that's what i'm calling it we're all we're all watching more and more entertainment on tv the streaming services internet our phones and on twitter and facebook you'll see lists of the like the greatest movies in certain categories. And I saw uh, like the greatest sports movies list of all time. Eight men out was on it, but so was another one of your movies, the cutting edge, which uh, you played a hockey player that became a doubles partner for figure skating. Right. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is this is really a great experience for me. Uh, the script was written by Tony Gilroy, who went on to you know write the Born and Daddy movies, Dorothy the Cla- Laura Michael Collins. He's one of the best writers in Hollywood. He, they bring him into rewrite movies now, where he doesn't get credit, he just gets a boatload of money. But the cutting edge was the movie that launched him, and that script was just word perfect. And they brought in Moira Kelly, who who was just the perfect um, uh, foil for my character. You yeah, know, she was Marian, really good uh, too hockey player she's terrific and uh she was so good in that movie i think it, it hurt her career in a way because people assumed that she was such a you know rhymes with witch that that <laughs> they didn't want to work with her
0: <laughs> and and the movie was was directed by starsky right
1: yeah yeah paul michael glazer directed it and uh we had the guy our camera operator was john kassar who went off to become the uh, the boss on 24 and a bunch of other oh. shows so he, he became a great filmmaker in his own right
0: well, yeah, I highly recommend that movie. It's it's a movie that kind of went under the uh, radar, um, but uh, I watched it after I saw it on the list, and it's really fantastic. I don't know how I missed it the first time around.
1: Oh well, thanks. You know, we we both learned to skate for that movie, and they gave us a three month period where we we both went to the same rink in New York City. Where I was living in the city, she was living in Long Island, and we'd meet at this rink at seven o'clock in the morning called Sky Rink on Ninth Avenue, New York, on that you know like on the eighth floor of this building. It's not there anymore. And MGM rented out the rink for us. So uh, very early on, I discovered how to tweak more and how to get her going the same way the guy tweaks her in the movie. And they had a rule that during figure skating time, it was a sign in the rink, you can't have hockey skates on, on the ice. And during hockey skating time, you can't have figure skates on the ice, which is just a stupid rule. It that is somebody a stupid made, rule. You know I mean... So anyway, but I but MGM had rented out the ice. So my opinion was we were exempt from the rules because we had rented out the ice. Were
0: Hollywood stars. Your rules do not yeah. apply to us. Well, but nobody else was on the ice. It was no, me and Moira. But Moira
1: was like, she was like, no, we have to follow the rules. And it really irked her. So as soon as it irked her, I did it every time. And, and that just, so that, that kind of, and then she would find things to do to irk me. And, 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 you know, we obviously were just poking and teasing each other, but it was, it was great. I and mean, it led right into the movie. Yeah, That's that, wonderful. Hey, do you got any good uh, Charlie Sheen stories from the days of uh, two and a half men when you played Larry on two and a half men? Well, what, you know, Charlie was gone by then when I, when I did two and oh. a half men, but I, but I had golden days of Charlie during uh, eight men out. And then uh, yeah, he was before that. Yeah. So here's the story of how he got into eight men out. We did a movie called no man's land, which is about stolen cars. And during that movie, Charlie went from, Uh, You know, Martin Sheen's kid that nobody ever heard of to the cover of Time Magazine during while we were filming because of Platoon was about to come out and win all the Oscars. So I watched him transform from, you know, being nowhere to, you know, to a big star. Anyway, we finished that movie. I go off to learn to hit left-handed for Eight Men Out because, you know, I've got six months to learn how to hit lefty before we start filming. And Charlie goes off to do Wall Street. So I visit him in New York on the set because I live in New York at that time. And we go out to McSorley's Ale House and Charlie loved baseball. I knew that from when we worked together and, and he was, uh, you know, a huge fan, Cincinnati Reds fan. We, we talked about it all the time. So I said, Charlie, we got to do this movie, uh, Eight Men Out and, and you know, over a couple of beers. And, and uh, he said, yeah, yeah, let's do it. I said, it's about the White Sox. They throw the World Series. I said, I'll, I'm going to be the left fielder. You'll be the center fielder. It'll be awesome. Well, what I didn't tell him was that I was playing the iconic Shoeless Joe Jackson, and he was playing Joe Blow. And so, so he he never read the script. So he's you know, so he shows up in Indianapolis, and he's sitting at the bar. And I walk into the hotel, and he's got a baseball hat on. He's smoking a cigarette. He's reading the script, and and he turns to me and he goes, "Hey, Dave, Dave, I'm on page 47. Where's my part? Where's my part?"
0: (laughs) <laughs> it's true. Yeah. His part is pretty small in the movie. I mean, yeah, your part is much bigger. He beefed it up. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, now, he, was, he
1: had a good time. I mean, he was really happy to do there. I think it took the pressure off to be out of the limelight for a minute.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm sure that's true. Uh, I mean, obviously, you, you've you you know run through with lots of big stars in, in your career. Lonesome Dove. I mean, that how many people on that show did not win some sort of Academy Award? You know what I mean? Robert Duvall. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones, Angelica Houston, Chris Cooper, you know, unbelievable. And, and that was right. right in well, like late eighties, right. Was that when that came yeah, out?
1: Yeah. Yeah. 89. I think.
0: Did you have to learn how to ride a horse for that?
1: I did. You know, it's, a, it's kind of a broken record here, but all these shows I had to develop a skill I didn't have. And I guess really all I knew how to do at that point was, you know, make good omelet and drink. So, so I you didn't, didn't want know make any how to movies skate. About that.
0: You didn't know how to bat left-handed and you didn't know how to <laughs> ride a horse.
1: Yeah, and with the horse thing, I I felt like it was not smart to say it, so I lied to them, and I told them that I had an uncle in Montana, and I went and rode horses every every summer, which <laughs> I'd never been to Montana. So they they believed me and hired me, and uh, so I went out, again, I'm in New York City, so if you guys have been to Central Park, you know, they have the horses that you ride around the park. They're, right. they're basically, you know, they're like one step away from glue. Yeah. And so I, t- I figured I'll ride these horses a little bit. Then I'll go upstate. There's a farm up there. I'll try and ride some horses up there. So the first time I tried to ride the horse in Central Park, I tried to like get the horse off the trail, you know, to like just cheat a little bit and try to get him to turn and move around a little bit. And The horse looks back at me like a New York City cab driver is like, I got this, pal. We're not, <laughs> like, like, we're not leaving the trail. Like we stay on this little trail. I was like, okay. So this is not really working. So anyway, but I, but I did. I, I ended up going down to uh, – where uh, Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez and Keeper Southern were filming Young Guns in Arizona because they had all these horses. So I went down to hang out with those guys because I thought there wouldn't be any fun there. And uh, rode rode their horses on the set there for a couple weeks. And then as soon as they had the horses together in Texas, uh, in Austin, where we started filming, I I started riding the the real horses from the movie.
0: Uh, That's great. And by the way, you know, uh, Field of Dreams is another one of our favorite movies. Uh, um, Ray Liotta never bothered to learn how to hit left-handed. His shoe well, was Joe I, was right handed.
1: Yeah, and he had him Ray throws left handed too, so he had a like a mirror image of it.
0: Um, yeah. You know, this is
1: one of the stupidest things I ever in my life is that they asked me to do that part, but I had only done three movies, and one of them was a baseball movie playing Shula Show Jackson. And I turned that movie down because I thought maybe I'll get typecast as a baseball player since I had played baseball before I was an actor, and I oh, thought people might kidding. say that's the only thing. You could yeah, so, I mean, that's that's just, that's just a big disappointment for me, the way that movie turned out. <laughs> Sorry. Phenomenal movie.
0: <laughs> Sorry to bring that up. We love that yeah. movie, too.
1: Great movie. How, it must have been impossible. How did you learn how to hit left-handed? God, that has to be really difficult to do, wasn't it? It was pretty hard. You know, like I had swung a bat lefty, you know, all the years I played baseball, you know, play wiffle ball or just messing around, but I'd never done it against, you know, live pitching. And uh, so, you know, it's a different thing. And it's not enough to just be able to do it yet. I wanted to be able to look like the best hitter in baseball in 1919, which is what Joe Jackson was. And uh, I started on a tee. I spent a lot of time on a batting tee uh, and, you know, broke a lot of lamps in hotel rooms. And then uh, I just started going to the range and I, I just you know just repetitions i did it as much as i could and then i spent the last two months with the kenosha twins um in the midwest league riding around riding the buses and took wow. bp for every game and left-handed and uh, sat on the bench for the games and, and just just had a great time okay, that okay sounds, you have the like perfect a- life <laughs> exactly Holy crap you've had a wonderful life man this is awesome it was, uh, uh, it was a lot of fun doing those movies in those time in that time because you know they they would encourage you to sort of you know immerse yourself in diving they wouldn't pay to do it all the time on cutting edge they paid us to train but most of these movies are on your own time but it's a fun thing i mean you get to go out and learn I, what i need to get is a golf movie you know maybe that'll be the yeah. get my game going on that area i, I need i need uh, phil mickelson to teach me how to do short game
0: well you know now you're yeah. writing and directing yourself just write one i should you're yeah, right mean, I, I mean come on now let's talk about two dumb mix because uh you actually uh, are the writer and the director of this. Uh, first of all, most important question are you Irish? I am. Okay, good. Okay, <laughs> good. Because otherwise, you're going to be in big trouble for this. I, you know, I watched the episode. You sent us a great episode with uh, Sean Aston, who's the other dumb mick in the show. And you are uh, th- the episode, I don't want to spoil it too much, is about ducks and foie gras. <laughs> and it's really freaking hilarious can you talk to us about how people can find it because it's it's uh it's kind of an unusual approach
1: yeah we just decided we we weren't exactly sure where we were going to do it as a series we always planned to do it as a series of like you know six seven minute long episodes that people could watch on their phone or their computer or whatever and with this epidemic we just thought everybody's running out of things to watch let's just throw the first episode out there and let everybody get to know it and then as you know we'll figure out what they like about it what they don't like about it and incorporate that into the filming of the other other episodes so it's going to premiere tomorrow night on facebook live um april 1st at 7 p.m eastern so you go on facebook put in two dumb mix it'll pop right up and you can watch it after it's over sean and i are going to do question and answer and the whole thing if you miss it it'll still be there and it'll also be on youtube and do the same thing, go to YouTube and put in Two Dumb Mix. There's no B in the dumb, Two Dumb Mix. Okay. And if you fill all that, you can go to twodumbmix.com, and there's information there. And it's just it's just meant to be a, a harmless uh, laugh, like slapstick, because a lot of comedy now is, is it, it, you know, somebody gets pissed off by every joke you tell now. So yeah, that's true. I wanted to figure out a way to do it, something that everybody could laugh at together.
0: You know, so I you watched two it with... some dumb my, white
1: guys getting hit yeah. with a pie in the face. You know, how can that... You know, that's good for everybody. I
0: watched well, it with what, my youngest son, what, and he and he compared it to the Three Stooges.
1: Oh, awesome. That's exactly <laughs> what we're going for. <laughs> Roland Hardy, Three Stooges, you know, I mean, we'd love to be as good as that, uh, but that's exactly what we want. Oh, that's cool. What are you doing? What are you doing during self-quarantining? I guess. Yeah. Do you got kids home? How, do you kids yeah, home? I got a... I got a teenage son and a teenage daughter, a senior in high school and a freshman. And, you know, it's very sad for my son. His, uh, you know, senior year is over pretty much. You know, they yeah. lost their senior trip. They're not going to have graduation. And it's a weird time. And he, you know, he's 18 years old. So he was born uh, two weeks before 9 11. And then now yeah. he's got this. It's like, it's, it's, you know, those are two massive events in, yeah. uh, you know, in somebody's life. So, and my daughter, it, it's tough on her too because, she's not as extroverted as my son, so it's already an effort for her to go and socialize and things, And so now you know, it's a little more pressure on her, and it's it's tough. I mean, it's tough for everybody, obviously, and I hope it doesn't turn out to be uh, as dire as everybody's saying, but, you know, we're trying to play along and stay inside. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's all all we can do. Well, it's, uh, thank you, Lucky Star, you don't have
0: three teenage daughters at home like oh I do right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. he's got three daughters. I've got three sons, so we, we feel oh. your pain. Uh, but but DB DB, uh, they call you Deeb or DB.
1: Well, actually, Charlie Sheen used to call me Deeb, and that kind of stuck. But usually DB.
0: Okay, well no, we really appreciate doobie. you being he on was
1: the show. we not DB.
0: <laughs> well, So you live in Hinsdale. That's how you know. Uh, that's how you know Neil sand
1: yeah, yeah. You're the right where we share backyards. Oh, I had no idea.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. Before we continue any further with Minutia and Celebrity Interview, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. I am Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. And on Back to You, our podcast, we do all kinds of things like how would you describe it? We do nitpicky things sometimes like how come you got headphones on and I don't? Because I'm the star of the show. Well,
1: see, that's up for uh, debate and deliberation. And uh, a lot of the shows. About who gets
0: top billing and last word. Well, we'll find out in the next Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. See ya. Bye. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. An Opie show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to better place. Radiomisfits.com. Back to our guest on Minutia Men's Celebrity Interview. I really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks a lot. And, you know, we wish you the best. And we're going to follow along here on uh, Two Dumb Mix. Uh, and, and we'll make sure that we get the word out for people to go see it.
1: Yeah, and it's, you know, the thing I'm just learning about all this uh, engagement stuff. But if people like it, if they leave a comment, if they tell their friends, spread the word, the more eyeballs we get and the more responses we get, um, the sooner we'll be able to bring more episodes.
0: All right. Well, thanks very much for being on the show.
1: Hey, thanks, buddy, and be uh, be well and be safe. And uh, this is this crazy time. Thank you very much for having me on.
0: All right, bye, Bye-bye. Take care. Heck of a guy. Go, go White Sox. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know what I? You know what I should do? I should. I'm, I'm going to send him photos of my scorecard booth. Oh, oh maybe, he'll maybe buy it off of you. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, Julia, I'm on the air. (laughs) Julia, I'm doing the show. Twenty five thousand people are going to know that you're impatient. (laughs) You you can go downstairs, but be quiet. Oh my god! (laughs) All right then. Uh, You know what I was thinking? He he does that show with Sean Aston, right? Yeah, Uh, yeah. yeah. Too dumb mix. mix. Imagine you're in Chicago, and that's where they film it. They film it in Chicago. And there's shoeless Joe and Rudy, yeah. right? <laughs> right? Right? Sports legends. What are you guys doing? <laughs> well, that's it for this week's Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Uh, thanks very much to DB Sweeney for being on the show. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tony Lasana with opishows.com. Opie is hippo, backwards, O-P-P-I-H-Shows.com. We're distributed by Ed Silla with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place. Radio Misfits. Com. And we'll be back again soon with another episode of Minutia Men's Celebrity Interview. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? All right, Adam, what uh, country are you from? I am from England. What is the best soccer league in the entire world? The English Premier League. What is your day job? Director of Coaching for Illinois Youth Soccer. So if you were, say, a fan of English Premier League and you wanted to hear the, the opinions of someone who is from England, who knows a lot of soccer, what podcast would you tell people they need to listen to? Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. And that's on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Free Kicks, a Tony Lasano podcast, Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place. RadioMisfits.com